Good morning, everybody. You all hear me okay? Um, wow. What an amazing worship time. Janet, excellent word. Excellent word. Preparation, anticipation, and preparation. And, um, you know, as I've been meditating over the last few weeks, really today's word is accumulation of what God is talking to me about. Very personal. Um, I feel I've been in a transition time personally, but I feel like every prophetic word I listen to, uh, whether it's Emma Stark, Nate, um, they're all talking about a season of transition, a season of transition. And I feel like God is wanting to shift us as individuals and as a church to hold more of him. Okay, but your ability or your capacity to hold depends how empty you are. Okay, the emptier we are, the more hungry we are, the more we yearn for him, the greater capacity we have to hold him when he encounters us. And so, um, you know, over if you go back over my messages that I've been sharing, actually each one is a different aspect of preparation in anticipation, basically for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because in us, we need to prepare. So I, I shared about where are you? Where are you? And I took it from Genesis in the garden. Then the next word was the altar with Elijah. Choose this day whom you will serve. And the fire falls. What is the altar of our life look like? And then last time I shared was about the power of the spoken word and how Peter, when Jesus was in the garden, he took a sword off and he cut the servant's ear and how words in our lives that we have believed have cut our ability to hear what God wants to do for us. And he wants to bring healing to that. And then, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, I don't know, I had a very strong prophetic word, which Colleen asked me about just before the service, and it was about King David and how when he stood before Saul, he was, you know, Saul tried to put his armor on him before he went out to kill Goliath, and David said, I can't do this. And how many of you sitting in the room are wearing something that you allowed somebody to put on you that is hindering you from killing the giants in your life. And the way you kill the giants in your life is already what you've been trained in. David had a slingshot. He was familiar with it. He was good with it. He was skilled with it. So what God has already placed in your life, that is what he is equipping you with to kill the giants. Okay, so I feel like part of the new, what God is wanting to do in the new year is a stripping off is what is old. What people have spoken over you, what you have spoken over yourself. How many of us do that? And it's a, it's a preparation of understanding that you can go dressed lightly before the king. So today, I, you know, I've been meditating on, on a God chaser. I'm so hungry for God, and I am so sick of the status quo. I don't know about you. Really. If we keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, it's actually madness. So what are we, as the body of Christ, 
as this little fellowship going to do different in our personal lives and as a congregation going forward? Because we change one degree, the degree of separation, what you do one degree here, by the time you've gone down the road, it is a vast difference to where we were. And I really believe that God wants to move vastly in your individual lives. As the year comes to an end, what do you see for your own walk in the coming year? No, you don't have to give an answer, but I want you to ask yourself. What do you see for your function in Christ next year? Each and every single one of you are an eternal soul that was born for such a time as this, and you are set apart from the foundation of the earth. This function is not a few of us that sit here yapping into a microphone. Every single one of you are called of God in a magnitude that you are only some of you don't realize, some of you have realized partially, but for goodness sake, your life on earth is short, live it to the full. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I wish I had. You know, I had to think in the, in the week how, say for example, somebody goes to jail. And while they're in jail, they dream about all the things that they want to do. They want to go to the beach. They want to eat McDonald's. They want to do this. They want to be with their family. They want to do all these things. And then they get let out. And how many times do they actually do what they dreamt about? Most times they reoffend and go back to jail. So my point is this. Are we sitting here dreaming about the things of God and we are set free? He has set us free from the jail of sin and death. He has purchased your eternity. And what are you dreaming about the call of God? And then my second question to you is what are you going to do about it? Because otherwise we're no different. We dream about these things. He set us free and we go back to living a life of bondage. How hungry are you for God? I come from Africa. I know what hungry looks like. And believe me, it's not polite. If you are absolutely starving, you haven't been fed, you are skin and bone, and a food truck arrives, I can guarantee you, you will find not a single individual going, don't mind if you do. You go ahead first. Help yourself. Knock yourself out. I'll just wait with such good manners. Believe me, they don't. They run like their lives depend on it, and they grab everything they can get their hands on. How hungry are we for the move of God? Are we going to be polite and worried about what people think, or are you so hungry for him that you don't care? Because that's what he's calling us into. That's what he's calling us into. And I promise you the spirit of God will fall. You will walk in signs and miracles. You will see God touch people through your life. Because you are hungry for him. Anticipation. Preparation. Expectation. Falling of God. And this world needs to see Jesus in us. Jesus never had an issue being attractional. 
Jesus was never short of a crowd. Yet most times in, in our fellowship, in our belief, we struggle to draw people. Why? Because we are the church. And when we as individuals each put our hands up and say, Jesus, I'm hungry for you, more of you, deal with those things in my life that have held me back, I repent, I'm sorry, please move in my life. And we begin to reflect Jesus, guess what the automatic result of that is? Attraction. The lost will come. The lost will come. There is a story of Ruth in the book of Ruth. Ruth Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. I'll just read 1 and 6 because there's a story in between. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Now that's really interesting because judges were upholders of the law. Okay? And law and religion equals dryness, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. So what happened was this guy, there was rule, and there was famine, so he goes and lives somewhere else. And then it goes through the life story where Naomi, um, her husband dies, her two sons die, and then she has her daughters-in-law with her. But verse 6, it says, Then, then, (laughs) that's all right. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return to the country, uh, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. Bread carries an aroma. Bread is a picture of his presence. There was showbread as part of the temple proceedings. They had showbread, but what that actually means is show up bread. And God is desiring to fill the house of God once more with his show-up presence. Do you want his presence? Do you want to hear about the stories of God? Or do you want to experience the stories of God in your life right here, right now, today? Because that's his desire for you. So how hungry are you? And I was reading this in Ephesians 4. I'm going to take it. I have to bring it a little closer. Um, Verse 9, and it says, He ascended, means that he returned to heaven after he had first descended from the heights of heaven. Even descending as far as the lowest parts of the earth, the same one who descended, descended also was the one who ascended above the heights of the heaven. Why? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he go to hell? Why did he return to heaven? In order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of 
all things, not some, not if he's a good mood, not if he feels like it, of all things. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some to be with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. Why? Why do we have these things? And their calling is to nurture and prepare all, the holy believers, to do their own works. I want to read that again. because I had to read it twice. And the calling is to nurture and prepare all the believers to do their works. You know why there's preaching, you know why there's prophetic, you know why people share, get up and share, is so that you walk in the call of God. The purpose of Sunday is not to serve the pastor, is not to fill out religious do's and don'ts, the purpose of our gathering is so that you get encouraged to walk in the calling God has called you and you and you and you to do. And everywhere where you are placed right now is where God wants you to be. And if it isn't, ask him where you need to go and move. Because he is equipping, he wants to use you. It's not a few talking people. We are the body of Christ. And if you think about your own human body, every single part of you has a function, has a role, has a purpose. It carries nutrients, oxygen, all kinds of things. There's not a single dormant part of your human body. Not a single cell, nerve ending, Muscle that does nothing, that sits up a, an umbrella, folds his arm, and says, good luck with that. We are all a functioning body, and there's got to be a shift to go, oh, it's for Annette, or it's for someone else, or, oh, my goodness. Because you have listened to the voice of disqualification. And in order for revival to outpour or a great awakening... We all have to be involved. Because if 3,000 people showed up tomorrow, I'm telling you, it's not me and Paul and a few of us that are going to get hands on deck. It's every single person. Because you carry something that is uniquely you. Some of you are incredibly perceptive and merciful and helpful and visit the sick and don't pass out when there's blood. Well, if it's me, yeah, good luck. I'm like <laughs> at the sight of blood. Or if somebody's retching, I'm retching just as much as they are and I can't help them. So we all have different functions and we're all needed. Please, in this coming year, do not listen to the voice of disqualification. The Lord has been talking to me very strongly about Annette, don't look back. Because I, I was catching myself, and this is very personal, I was catching myself in a prayer time, and I said, you know, God, I, I, I went... I, years ago, I was preaching and ministering at women's conferences and doing all these things. And so my walk with God was 
incredible. And then I went through a season of just being hammered and just having to, I went through a real valley and I was like, uh, hello, is anyone out there? Do you remember me? And in that process of just being faithful and just serving the Lord and walking with him, even though you don't necessarily feel all those things you did. And I've, and I prayed, I said, God, will you take me back to that hunger? Will you take me back to that place? And he goes, no. He says, I don't desire the old for you. I desire the new. So God doesn't want to take you back to a place. He wants to take you forward to the call and the purpose that you have walked through. And every single experience that you have experienced, if you let God heal and restore, is a, is a toolkit for the very specific thing that he wants to do with you. This is not a them thing. This is an us thing. So in the next few months, as we have our holiday breaks and it's all happy and merry and all these things, my question to you remains, how hungry are you? How much do you want God in your life? And there's no wrong or right answers. If you go, oh, I'm quite happy where I am, well, then good for you. But I'm not. My heart's cry is, God, I want to see Jesus. I want to manifest you in my life in such a way. I want it where I'm sitting in a real estate meeting, signing up somebody's property or discussing the price of their property, and they put their pen down and say, what is it about you, Annette? That's what I'm after. I'm not after the deal. I'm after the people. Lord, may our house smell of bread once more. May we carry the presence of God once more. May we hear your voice in a new, fresh way. May we experience you in a new, fresh way. We are the church. We are the church. Every single one of you were set apart for such a time as this. You do things that I cannot do. You are gifted in a way that I am not. But I need you. We need you. I mean, if any of you have stumped your baby toe, you know how much that can dictate to the rest of the body. So the smallest thing that takes an individual out of the game actually affects all of us. It's quite a thought. It's quite a thought. So that all will do their own works of ministry. As they do, this will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. That is God's desire. Are you willing for God to disturb your religious practice or your religious view? To that question, I say, absolutely. Shake me, God. Because otherwise, what's the point? 
Tell me what's the point? We come up here every Sunday, we go home, we stay the same. What's the point? What's the point? Read your Bible, you pray, good luck, that's nice. What is the point? He is the point. God, I want you. I want to see your face. I want to experience your presence. I want you to radically rock my boat. That's what I want. I'd rather be like Peter, out of the boat and sinking, and at least trying and mess it up, than staying in the safety of my boat for the rest of my life, come to the end of my days, and how much I regret it. And you know what? If you make a mistake, so what? Tomorrow's another day. No one's sitting there with a clipboard measuring your holiness. It's not about me. And it's not about the opinions of anyone else in this room. You don't live for any of us. You live for the audience of one. And his name is Jesus. So, Father, I just thank you that you want to shake us. And in my own life, I say, God, I repent of desiring what was in the past and looking at, the, at what was old, yet you desire to give us new. You desire us to step into the new. And every single person in this room, I pray that you would begin to stir them deep in their spirit. That this congregation would become hungry for an authentic Jesus. Not rules, not religion, but for you, the person, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the earth, you are the reason. And I pray, Father, that we would not worry what other people think, but that we would only care about what you think that we would not listen to the voice of disqualification. But God, I thank you that even though people might feel dormant in this room right now, I'm telling you, you are not. You are just getting ready to take off again. And don't you dare listen to the voice of the devil that says you cannot. Because in the natural, we cannot. But he is able. And he, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you. Right here, right now. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.